Hello and welcome to Forever Young Adult, a podcast where I, Aoife, and I, Kira, discuss and read and enjoy young adult fiction. From the years gone by and perhaps the years to come. Who, who knows? There will be no years to come. I hear there's a time war, though. No, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're breaking up with me on pod. Okay, cool. What does Andrew have that I don't? <laughs> yeah, no, um, last week we had a special guest pod with uh, my mate, Andrew, who came in to, to tell us about the time war and how to lose it. I'm shocked that that doesn't count as a YA book because the themes were so YA, but admittedly I haven't read it and I haven't even heard him talk about it. I've only ta- heard the edited conversation that you put up as a podcast episode for our YA podcast. So. Um I actually, I edit out very little of that podcast. Uh, the mo- most of, if Andrew was talking, it mostly goes unedited. And then if I'm talking, I stuttered over my words a couple of times because we started it very late into the evening. <laughs> After making some hibiscus biscuits. This is true. And I did, I did cut one bit because we just like went into a side tangle about our own lives for like five minutes. And I was like, the listeners don't want this. It's cool. But I left in everything about Taylor Swift <laughs> and everything about the time he was not thrown out of the cinema. I'm very sorry about the juicy Kira details that you were denied, dear listener. Um, <laughs> but unfortunately, we believe in a division between the public and private here at Forever YA Pod. That said, how's um, things, Kira? Uh, things are good. We're surviving the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, I've become a person who just throws together a soup. Yeah, um, Kira sent me uh, some pictures of her soups. They're very good. Yeah, when I went to do the shop on Friday, my partner was like, oh, bring home some soup. And I was like, yeah, cool. And then I just bought vegetables and I made the soup myself. Mm-hmm. I do that now. That's the person I am. And my partner has become a person who makes bread. Yeah, I do be trading bread recipes with Kira's partner. It's fun. Yeah, and that that's how my life under pandemic is going. Uh, according to... Tishak Leo, as long as everyone behaves themselves, the libraries will reopen on the the 8th of June. So I might be back to work with my precious books soon. And I am very excited about it. Very nice. I might... And by soon, I mean an entire month from now. <laughs> okay, but that's in pandemic times. That's not so bad. That's not so bad. How have you been doing? I've been okay. You've been darning. I, yeah, I'm currently repairing some trousers as we are on recording i'm maybe gonna go do some organic gardening with a friend over some of the summer because uh a lot of industries have shut down so there's been a lot of unemployment some of which hasn't impacted me personally but uh we're good local cafe still open i can still get my oat milk latte on occasion and yeah i'm trading bread recipes and i'm learning more and more about plants by the day Cool. What did you read, Kira? Um, I read The Places I've Cried in Public by British author Holly Byrne. Um, and I'm going to be honest, Aoife. Mm-hmm. I cannot in good faith say that this was an enjoyable book to read. It was, however, an essential read. Sounds like my attitude to Turtles All the Way Down. Possibly. Not fun, but important. Yeah, I'm going to give a heads up right now. Like we put we put content warnings in the tags of the pod, but I'm also going to give it just here. 
um, this book is about a girl coming to terms with the fact that her relationship was emotionally abusive and elements of sexual assault and at least one incident of rape. So that's the book. Sounds um unpleasant, yeah. Um, I read it in not one sitting, but I did read it in one day, which is a which is like a pandemic availability of time. Mm-hmm. But also like I kept reading it. I kept like reading a chapter, and the chapters were really long. But I kept reading a chapter and putting it down, and being like, oh, I need some time to process that, and then picking it up again like five minutes later because I wanted to know like how does it continue so then I was like I'm just gonna read one more chapter and then I I just did this until I finished the book which admittedly was only like eight or nine chapters long have you processed it now I have processed it okay it took but like it was just a lot also I feel like I got free counseling out of it really I have to admit I love when you illegally download free counseling that's like (laughs) It's great. You ever overhear someone in public saying, my therapist said, and you're like, oh, oh. free therapy? Um, yeah, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about Holly Byrne, and then we can get into the nuts and crannies of the book. So this is Holly Byrne's... One of her later books. So this is, I think this is her 10th book. Wow, because she's only been writing since 2013. Yeah, so... She has she has a series called The Spinsters Club, which is about a girl who has OCD. And that's like, I think that's her big breakout novel. And it won a couple of awards. And then she has another couple of books. And I think all of her books could be construed as like, quote unquote, issue books. You love an issue book. But I love an issue book. And then, and they do aim towards like the older towards the older um category of YA kind of like you're looking at 16 plus Mm -hmm. because of that a little bit now like to be honest I feel like I honestly I read this book and I was like this should be one of those books that you hand out to every 17 year old and you're like hey before you start having relationships maybe you should like consider relationships and learn about relationships and and think about relationships yeah and just have some have some consideration as to how 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 you are feeling and what is happening around you. So our protagonist is also about 16 then. So um Holly Byrne is 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 British and she her books are set there in the UK. Um which confused me momentarily when I started the book because for some reason I thought that she was an Irish author and the main character was like, I'm starting college. And I was like, oh, this book is older than I thought it was. Mm-hmm. But no, it's um, English college, which is... Like it's foreign. English college, which is... I don't know what that is in American, but for Ireland, it's the Leaving Cert cycle. Essentially so last she, few years of high school. It's the, last, it's the last two years of like your education before you go on to third level. It's a strange system. Yeah... But everyone thinks that everyone else's system is weird. That's true. I, I, is it France that counts down the years you're in school? Something mad. Oh, like that's that. terrifying. Yeah, because we we covered it in French in secondary school, and I was like, why is your first year your last year? No, you're counting down to when you enter the real world. Oh, no. Good thing teens don't that. exist in the real world because we're. Uh, <laughs> apparently nothing counts when you're a teenager 
so Holly Byrne started out her career as a journalist. She went on to write on My Normal Yes, which was critically acclaimed. Then she, she also writes online for The Mix, which is a charity-run advice uh, website for under 25s. She has nine or so other books. There's four books in the Spinster Club series. This novel is standalone. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that's about it. She went to college. Um, she did journalism in college. University, I guess, uh, if college is She did, it, exactly. She did, <laughs> she did journalism in university, which is what they call it in the UK. Woo. Um, yeah, yeah, that's all. Apparently Holder are are waiting on her to write two adult books. So that'll be exciting. Is, is Holder a publishing company? They are. They're a publishing company. Fun. Okay. So um, Holly knows her stuff with her issue books, presumably, if this is like her ninth or tenth one. Um, yeah. Do you? How do you want to discuss it in terms of the issues, in terms of the character? Going through the book point by point in terms of things isn't going to be that interesting. So I think I'm going to give like a quick overview and we'll mostly just discuss the themes mm-hmm. and whatnot. I'm, and actually the framing of the book was really interesting. So I might I might start with a bit of background about um, Amelie and then we'll go into the, the framing. Cool. Uh, my brain is poisoned by the internet and any time you say Amelie, I will be thinking of Justin McElroy's impression of Amelie from the movie Amelie, who cooks an egg with a spoon. Um, in order to stop myself doing that while I read the book, I called her Emily <laughs> for the entire book. Amazing. And not say Amelie. Amelie. Cool. Um, yeah, it was bad. So Amelie has moved with her family from the, the north. The Amelie family. The Amelie family. She's moved from the north of uh, England. She was living in Sheffield. And they've moved to some place outside of London that isn't actually named. Posho place. Not necessarily posho, but like a nice a nice area down south. Okay. Um, where they do not put gravy on their chips. The, the weirdos. Um, and she is having a very difficult time with this transition. She is 16-ish. Her age isn't really stated, but the fact that she is like going into her last two years of, of education before third level mm-hmm. would imply that she is at the most 17 yeah. and probably like mid-16s. And she's having a hard time with this transition. Her dad lost his job up in Sheffield, which is why they had to move. So like they had lots of space up in Sheffield. Um, she had loads of really good friends. She had a boyfriend called Alfie. And now she's and she's also like cripplingly shy. Mm. Like a lot of social anxiety is going on in her life. And she has moved to this new place, this new town, and she has to start this new school. She has to meet all these new people. And it's just like not ideal circumstances in her life right now. Mm-hmm. And so that's what's happening like in September. That's kind of Amelie's frame of mind. She's starting this new school. She's not really happy about it. But she's trying. She's always had a really good relationship with her parents. So she's like trying to be nice about it. She She's not. She's like, this is my dad's fault for losing his job. But it's not my dad's fault that he lost his job. And so it's nobody's fault, really. Like, there's no one to be angry with. It's just the situation as it is. Does she have siblings? She does not have any siblings. 
Um, and her parents are having, like, not a great time of it, but they're also not having a bad time, if that makes any sense. Like, there's no fear yeah. that her parents are going to divorce. There's no fear, like, that anything is, like, seriously wrong in that relationship. It's just that... It's just that stressful times stress relationships. Yeah, that's, that's the only thing. So she's trying to be easy. Um, and we go from there and we, we meet Amelie again about two months in February the following year. That's a big time skip. So it's September to, yeah, September to February. So, and she is now sitting on a bench, like about half an hour away from her house at 2 a.m. And she is crying. Okay. And the reason that she is crying is because... Just heads up, Amelie cries a lot, like a lot. She cries in the present tense and she cries in the past. And sometimes she cries in the far past. She spends a lot of this book crying. I mean, that should kind of be expected, I guess, from the title. It could be expected from the title. And also I find that her crying is very justified. Now, did it surprise you how much crying was happening? As a person who doesn't cry a lot, I did find it surprising. I was just like, oh, you are a person who cries easily, but that should not be held against you as your, in your character. I have that experience a lot, reading things where people cry. <laughs> We're just two heartless monsters. I'm like, oh, that situation would have also upset me, but I probably wouldn't have started crying in that moment. I might have been a bit, I would have been very sad about it for a long time. So I understand that you are sad, Amelie. And I understand that you are crying to express that. I'm glad that you're in touch with your feelings. <laughs> Can't, relate. Can't relate. Like the cover of this book is beautiful and multiple times made me think that I had spilled something on it because it has like teardrops embossed across it. Can't really see it over mm -hmm. the Skype. But like it's really beautiful. I can see it. It looks, it looks like someone has cried on the book and the ink on it. Is yeah, running. that too. And multiple times I was like, oh god, I've spilled something on this book that is not mine because it's the library's. Um, but yeah, no, crying is a big deal in this book. Um, so we meet her on this railway bench, which is the first stop in her tour of this nondescript town that she is going on of all the places that she has cried over this relationship that she has, that was recently ended. Mm. And she's trying to figure out what went wrong and importantly, what she did wrong in order to like, and fix it. And so that she can fix it. And she's trying to pinpoint what she did wrong and the emphasis on what she did so that she can go back and try and fix it. Because she's like, this relationship is the only reason that I exist in the world. So was she like this with Alfie? Do we get any insight into her previous boyfriend, Alfie? Or no, well, we do, we do. But she wasn't like this with Alfie. So the new boy is okay. called Reese, And mm -hmm. with Alfie, she found that like everything was safe and comfortable and he could be relied upon. And mm -hmm. at the time, She's like, I love him. He's safe. He's reliable. He will be there when I need someone. But she doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily like recognize how important that is until after 
she starts things with Reese and she's like everything is like a movie everything is so exciting it's so intense everything is like it's like being on a roller coaster like and you're going up and you're getting all this excitement and yeah there are lows but like there's just all of this excitement and everything is so passionate and intense and isn't that amazing um and he does not treat her very well hmm. that is the problem yeah this is um i feel like it's a thing that's easy to misconstrue about relationships when you're young and you haven't been in one and you don't know what they're like but there is this sort of Romeo and Juliet myth of you need to feel like you're fighting something for it to be a good relationship like there needs to be this fire and passion and it needs to like be all consuming which generally just means you need to feel uncertain and unhappy and obsessed and like you're you don't exist outside the relationship and these are actually signs of an unhealthy relationship yeah um because when a relationship exists there's the i and there's the you and there's the us and those are three different things yeah um so i kind of want to talk mostly like in terms of the book it was a really it was a it was a really well put together book like um like Emily brings you from like place to place that she was in and like some of them like the first place she cried over this boy she's like I actually was crying like not actually over Reese but kind of over Alfie and how happy I was with Reese and like there's a lot of stuff going on in her head um I will say that she doesn't necessarily treat Alfie very well but I'm also just like is she still in a relationship with Alfie when things start with Reese? No. So her and Alfie have made okay. a deal. And the deal that they made is he's going he's up in Sheffield and she's down in London-ish and they're going to work really hard in school and then they're both going to go to Manchester University which has a music and arts course for her and has um, a science course for him. And then they will re-spark their relationship for there but and the 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 deal that they have made is that they will do this and in the interim they can do whatever they want with anyone they like but they can't fall in love with someone else okay and tricky i'm like guys that sounds like a good idea except you are 16 years old <laughs> and yeah but when you're 16 years old you're 16 years old is the thing. that's that's the point. That's the and problem with being 16. A lot of this book reminded me of when I was 16 and 17 year years old and like the way that I felt in all of these relationships and that I was in and just like the intensity of it and everything is new and just trying to work out how you're feeling all the time because also your hormones are doing all sorts of things and it's just like, oh, how do bodies exist and interact with I, other humans? I was an emotionally dead and lesbian for that entire era of life so i can't really relate to relationships being weird for it but i've read a lot about that in fiction well um i dated quite a few boys the, yeah, the emotions yeah. of it all is very very emotions yeah what i'll say how was it like um i know you've probably got like a bit of a roadmap for how you want to discuss mm -hmm. this book but we've never really read a book by a northern english author before 
And I know that there are cultural differences between the north of England and the south. Like you mentioned that Amelie feels a little bit out of place amongst these people who don't put gravy on their chips. Did it feel culturally different from other British books you've read? Is there... Um, not so much. There was definitely, like, Amelie definitely felt very out of place and, like, just touchstones weren't there for her like they were for others, but a lot of it was, like, they'd be like, oh, we're going to the local cafe and she didn't know what the local cafe was. They were like, oh, we always go to Bojangles and, like, they needed to tell her what it was called called and where they were going and like Alfie calls her on her first day and she's like listening to him on the phone and she's like he's like we got we got chips and she's like I know exactly what chips they got I know like everybody everyone in that group's order and I know like what bench they're calling me from because we followed the same routine and I know where they got coffee on their way to get chips and now I don't even know where like the coffee shop where everyone hangs out is is or what it's called. Okay. So, like... Just because I'm, I'm aware that there's a little bit more of an Irish cultural influence in the northern UK mm-hmm. um, than there would be in the south. So I was wondering if there's any of that... You know that good Kath and Lee <laughs> feel? Um, no, like, not almost none of the book is set in the north as well. Like, she goes yeah. up and she... So we only get one northern character, really, feeling out of place. Like, her dad is, is northern, but we don't have his POV. And her mom is southern. The place that they're, that they're living in now, her mom originally grew up near there. Mm-hmm. Um, she does note that she's like... At one point, her parents talk to her about getting counselling. And she's like... Her dad comes in and is like, I've been talking to the school... And she's talking to him and she's saying, like, the school suggested to me that maybe I should get some counselling. And she thinks that he'll be like, no, stiff upper lip, we don't do that. And he's, like, all for it. And he's like, if you think that's what you need, then that's what will, like, will make it happen. And if you're not comfortable going to the school counsellor, we'll make sure that, like, you get private counselling. And she's like, cool. And then they tell the mom that they're going to do that. And the mom is, like, also supportive of it, but clearly, like... Mm, if you think that's what's best, then we'll do that. But mm, I don't, uh, I don't know about this. And then she, she herself is like, yes, like sometimes people. She, she expected her dad to be against it, and then she's like, I forgot that sometimes people from the south can be even more stiff upper lip, like and le- even less then, in touch with emotions. Then, the then the Nordies. Cool. Does she get counselling before or after she's crying on all these benches? Both. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so in real time, so in, in the now, we're following her going through... Which is February. Which is February. We're following her going through the sites of their relationship and like the different events that happened. And, and then as she reaches each point she kind of like gives us a snippet of their relationship and what was happening as they got to each of these places. And she herself is like, listen, looking back, I can see all the red flags, but at the time there was nothing. There was no indication to me that something was wrong, even though like the night that she meets the boy, his Reese, the night she meets the boy Reese, she has like, just performed she she's a singer songwriter with a guitar she is by all accounts 
extremely talented, okay? She was really talented up north and she's really talented down south. Um, and she goes, she enters the talent show, which is kind of like, oh, optional, but you have to enter. Mm-hmm. You're, doing perf- you- you're doing performing arts? You have to enter the talent. It's optional, but you have to enter. <laughs> have you watched the half of it yet? No, not yet. Is It's a new Netflix uh, movie that had a talent show that was like, it was like, enter the talent show. You have to be in the talent show. Everyone has a chance in the talent show. If you are senior, you must <laughs> go into the talent show. So she enters the talent show and she plays three. So- they've got 10 minute segments and she plays three songs and she ends up like bawling, crying, playing the third song and she wins the talent Ouch. show. Very nice. Good thing she's like an indie singer-songwriter, because if it was a different genre, that would be bad. Crying on stage would be worse. Um, It's kind of like that situation where tears just stream from your face, but you don't necessarily, like, vocally express them. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so... And after that, this boy, Reese is, like, all over her. He's like, hey, mm-hmm. let me walk you back to the music room. Let me... Let me just give you lots of attention. You're so talented. But he also like backhands all of his, a lot of his compliments. Not quite all of them, but a mm-hmm. lot of them. So like, he's like, oh, you're so lucky you're a solo artist. Me, I'm in a band. And that means that we have to like compromise with each other all the time. And kind of implies that she only won because she is a solo artist and therefore can follow her own like instincts fully whereas he has to yeah. compromise with his band all the time and if he was a solo yeah. artist then he would have, have won her. like he she only won because yeah. he's not a solo artist shitty yeah that's shitty reese and she immediately gets warned off reese by the mm-hmm. more or less the only fr- she has made like two friends um one of them is called hannah and the other one is called jack and she like met jack through hannah and then everyone else that she hangs out with is also kind of through Hannah because Hannah is also new to the school but she like a lot of people came with her from their previous school so she knows people. Uh, so it's like it when you're starting college in the UK people are moving around anyway it's like transitioning from primary to secondary school a little but bit you have it's just that you have the choice she's coming from of, further afield you have the choice of staying in your um in your original school or moving to a college to a two-year college Mm -hmm. before uni um and she decided to like change and you kind of like specialize a bit more i think or have more freedom there is Mm -hmm. there is pros and cons of both um so she she moved and a couple of other people from her school moved as well so she has and she just has friends around the town like even she can just go back hanging out with the people that she went to to school with for junior cycle mm-hmm. so a lot of a lot of Amelie's friends come from hannah and her association mm-hmm. with hannah and hannah is and like, did hannah know reese beforehand yes and she's like okay hey uh i see that reese has is talking to you and i think i need to let you know that he's not a great guy he's a bit of an asshass and um i've heard that he's treated girls badly in the past Mm-hmm. And our girl does not listen to that advice, unfortunately. And mm-hmm. 
also Reese is very charismatic like I can understand the original attraction to Reese not personally because he wears a dumb hat but (laughs) what kind of hat does he wear he wears a trilby oh god that's like fedora's shit I know god that's awful um so I personally am not attracted to Reese but I can see how you would be attracted to a person who like is charismatic has a hobby in common with you is giving you compliments but also makes you think you need to impress him yeah and mm-hmm. also like even from the very start Amelie is like he's really intense and things are moving super fast and like he he's just like oh my god like oh I heard you on stage and I thought you were like the one and she's like you don't know me you don't know anything about me we've had two conversations and you're like you're the most amazing person Mm. um but she just like some of the red flags I'm like it is difficult sometimes you just don't notice them sometimes you just don't see a sign that a person isn't necessarily the best person to be in your life and at a certain point she just does become like really dependent on him for Mm -hmm. almost all of her social interactions and she's vulnerable because she has moved to this new place where she knows very few people like there's a lot of reasons why she enters into this dodgy relationship charisma feels good it does having someone pay you attention feels good it is a big red flag if someone is very, very swiftly like you are the best, most important person in the world because it speaks of a hastiness and a huge amount of investment immediately. And it means that they're not really caring about who you are on a deeper level or what you're bringing to the relationship Um not that people can't move fast in relationships and that'd be fine, but it is, as you said, a red flag. Yeah. It's one of the ones that's harder to spot, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so as she's telling us the story of their relationship, she is like pointing out some of the red flags that she can now see with hindsight. But mm-hmm. the thing is that like, even as she is going through all of these these places, and even as she is like seeing that the relationship wasn't necessarily very healthy she still really wants him back. She's like, I, so much of my self-worth came from the fact that I was dating this boy and came from the fact that he loved me. And right near the start, he has started dating another girl whose name we don't get until the very end, near the, nearly the end, because um, Amelie just refers to her as her with a capital H. Yeah. Um, And she later acknowledges, she's like, listen, it's not very feminist of me to be hating on this girl. It's not entirely her fault that my, our relationship ended. It's, it's Reese's fault. And like, it's the way Reese's, Reese treated me and the way that he treated our relationship. Um, Do we know how their relationship ended or is that something that's slowly revealed? It's slowly revealed, but, um, Reese cheated on Amelie with the the new girlfriend her so the new girlfriend is called eden the names are really evocative in this yeah there's some good names and like eden knew that he had a girlfriend but like it's also by the time 
Eden arrives on the scene, he Reese does introduce um Eden and Amelie together, but he has like worn down Amelie to such a degree that it wouldn't surprise me if he had told Eden they were broken up before mm-hmm. anything happened with them, even though he hadn't broken up with Amelie. Mm-hmm. Um and also he's just like terrible. A piece of shit. Yeah. I'm trying to be slightly sympathetic towards Reese only because he is also a 17 year old and I would love 17 year old boys to read this book and be like this is a how-to book on not on how not to treat a girl like be like some of his actions at one point he does just he does rape Amelie and I'm like I would expect a 17 year old boy to just know not to rape their partner but some of his actions are also i feel like you could you could not know that you are being abusive people who are abusive are not abusive out of being inherently evil people Depending how you define evil. Uh, People who are abusive are just like everyone else in the world. People who want love and attachment and connection. And they want to feel safe. And they want trust and all the nice things we all want. But unfortunately, they are people who go about this in a way that hurts their partners. Because they are often people who need a sense of control. And a sense of uh, being very important and being very in charge. And again, all of this comes from the same basic human desires for love and connection that we all have, but they can be very twisted and end up doing horrible, horrible harm to people. And I really recommend the book, Why Does He Do That? by, I'm gonna say Lindy Bancroft, but I'm just gonna really quickly Google it. which is a text by a psychologist who spent his career working with abusive men. You were right, Lundy Bo- Bankoff. Bankoft. Bankoff. So his name is Lindy Bankoff, and he's a psychologist who spent a lot of his life working with domestic abusers. He examines how misogyny um, plays into that, but also how it's a warped desire for attachment. And it's a really interesting book it's available for free as a pdf online a lot of places and uh yeah people who do horrible things are still people yeah which means that their reasons follow psychology um and it also means that they can grow to be non-horrible people and that's true because reese is 17 i'm like i hope that he learns from this and becomes a better person but the reese that we meet in the book is a disgusting, horrible human, and I do not care do for we, him. Does he experience any growth? No. Away from being awful? Okay. No, within the book, he is just terrible, and, like, it is... We are straight up told that he, he treated girlfriends badly in the past, possibly sim- similarly to how he, he treated um, Amelie, and it is implied that he's probably treating Eden the same way. Um, near the start of the book... Emily is having lunch in the in the in the college like um, rec room and he comes up to her and is like I miss you 
maybe I made a mistake and then he leaves and doesn't and and Amelie spends like the next week waiting for him to contact her to like give any indication that he's going to have any actions that like match up to his words but she still sees him around college hanging out with Eden and like Mm. doing stuff with her um shifting very publicly and she's just very confused by this behavior and she's like why is he telling me that he misses me and that he wants me if he's not like following up by like breaking up with Eden or asking me to be his girlfriend or just any of those things so he's just keeping her kind of like on the hook yeah and even by the end of the novel he has decided when like Emily has worked through a lot of her issues and is going to counseling and is talking to her counselor about like the relationship and how like different things within it have damaged her and hurt her like even then he texts her and he's like i have made a mistake i still love you um can we get coffee this evening and like she has a counseling session and her counselor her counselor joan who i love i'm like i have had a number of counselors in my time and i i have never had any that i love as much as joan in that session Amelie is like, he says he wants me back, and I think that I might go back. Mm-hmm. Even though she's done all of this growth, and she sees all of the ways in which he has hurt her, and, like, he has raped her. And, like, at a number of points, he pressured her into having sex that she wasn't super comfortable having. Like, and it it goes on, like, and she's just like... But he says that he's sorry. And he doesn't actually say he's sorry. He's just like, oh, I've made a mistake. That's not saying sorry. That's not saying sorry. And also he's not acknowledging that you are hurt. He's just saying, I have maybe want to be in a relationship with you instead of this other person. Yeah. Which is... um, and it's just it's like, and she does ultimately resist. But she really does. Like, she, the main reason that she ultimately does not go back to Reese is that she is like on her way to the cafe and Hannah, who hasn't talked to her in like three months because they had a massive falling out over something that Reese did, like mm-hmm. sees her crying and is like, yo, we we need to have a conversation right now. And she's like, no, this is so important. I have to go to the cafe. It's so important. I have to go. And Hannah's just like, nothing is as important as finding out what is wrong with you right now. What Like, we need to talk. And that's, like, yeah. a large part of why she doesn't go back to Reese. Um, and she notes, like, she has been spending weeks walking around this town, crying in various places, after, like, retracing places that she has been crying previously. And this is, like, the first time anyone has been like, hey, I see you in distress, and we need to talk about it. England's a weird place. England is a weird place. Like, she's been crying in train stations. She's been crying in college. She's been crying just on random streets. And, like, this is the first time someone has been like, hey, I see you. What is happening? To be fair, how many people in the world would you be comfortable if you saw them just crying in public, going up to and saying we should probably talk about why you're so upset. Um, Not many, but I've also... Yeah, I'm going to say, 
I'm not sure how many people I've seen. Twenty. I would, if I knew the person, I would definitely go talk to them. But yeah, yeah I, exactly. I understand your point about like just approaching a random stranger. So it's, I'm saying definitely people I know and love, but also anyone who I, anyone who's an old friend who I haven't seen in a while, I'm like, okay, cool. That This would definitely be a, I guess, um, catalyst. Mm. This would be a catalyst for me to be like, oh, hey, shit, you need someone to talk to. I'm going to talk to you. But yeah, no, um, I presume other acquaintances of hers could have seen her, though, and been like, hmm, don't want to deal with that right now. Yeah, like, she's been crying in a small town. I think people probably know of her, at least. And she has, like, a relative level of fame within her peer group because she won that talent Mm -hmm. show and also because, like, she performs gigs around the place because she won won the talent show. And there was like a music scout in the audience. She ends up actually opening for like a big ass band in like the local arena. Nice. Like the very first person on. She's like that position. Cool. Um, they're called the Cor- They're called they're called the Cortinas, and I think they're a made up band. But I got the impression that it would be like opening up for like walking on cars in Ireland. So, like, a band most people have heard of, even if they're not the world's most famous band. Yeah, uh, and very locally, like, big. Famous, yeah. Um, so so like, people are like, oh, it's that sand- sad indie girl who cries at the train station. She's here crying on a new bench. Interesting. Cool, yeah. I'm going to ignore this. Um, and this is, like, a that gig was, like, a massive deal for her because, like, it's a proper paying gig with a lot of, mm-hmm. like... Um, with a really big audience to get like out to and Reese like steals the limelight from her at that by he comes out after her last song and like serenades her and declares his love for her gross Mm -hmm. and then he again that's in a healthy relationship there's a me and a you and an us and this was a thing for her not him not us yeah but and so the relationship like erodes at her until there's mm-hmm. only him and us. Yeah, that's um, yeah, that's abuse. And then and then he shames her for us for not being as cool, for not for, being as like alive. he he doesn't he alienates her from her friends, but in a mm-hmm. way that's super sneaky because he's not like you can't hang out with those people. Instead, he's like, those people don't like me, so I won't hang out with them. And mm-hmm. then, therefore, in order for you to hang out with them, you need to spend less time with me. And she's like, but, but you I love want me so much. And he's like, wouldn't it just be easier if we hung out with all of my friends? Because then we can both hang out together while we hang out with other people. Mm, um, yeah. And then after. After the gig where he, like, steals the attention, she gets into a massive fight with Hannah about it because Hannah's like, yo, you were being such a good sport about the fact that he was a dick. And and Amelie is like, what are you talking about? It was a massive romantic gesture. Why are you being so jealous of us? Is it because Mm. you want Reese? And I'm like, oh, no, nobody wants Reese. Reese is not great. Um... And Hannah is like, listen, I've warned you about him. I've told you about him. I'm telling you right now. um, And I can't keep being... Like, if you're going to attack me over it, then I can't 
like necessarily be around this and they kind of like peace out from each other um mm-hmm. and now at this point because because amelie's friends were hannah and then hannah's friends she doesn't have anyone to hang out with at all so she only hangs out with reese and his friends and then he starts being like why do you have no friends why are you such a loser oh. with no friends? Oh, why are you always hanging about me and my friends? Like, I need some time to myself. And he gets more and more like, I need more time to myself, which is like a fair request in a relationship, except that like, he literally- He's taken everything else she has. He's taken everything she has. And then he also like, doesn't make any time for her. Because when she when she's in counseling, um, jo- jo- Jonah's like, do you think it's fair to ask- someone to hang out with you if they love you and she's like yes um but he will literally he only spends time with her in college and he spends a lot of that time ignoring her but being physically present and then she's like hey can we hang out like tonight or tomorrow night and he's like no no i'm gonna go do something with the band and initially she um Initially, she was like, she used to go to band practice and like write her own stuff in the corner. And then he gets really angry with her and starts like, and like disinvites her from band practice. So she can't even do that. Um, He also like invites her over to come over like before band practice and they have sex. And then he'll be like, okay, leave now. I'm done with you. Um, Mm. Very uncomfortable. He gets super aggressive and possessive over her relationship with her northern friends. And when she goes up to visit them, he follows her on the train. What? Yeah. That's awful. That's stalking. It is. And he's like, oh, I did this as a romantic gesture. And then you didn't appreciate it. And like, he's like, oh, I was just like, because you're going hanging out with your ex-boyfriend. So I was worried. Um, Pick a side, dude. Yeah. You kind of both. Yeah. Also, boundaries. Oh, like, I'm aware that this is a whole unhealthy relationship. So there's lots of unhealthy elements in it. So I don't know how worthwhile it is for me to pick out individual bits and be like, hey, that's really unhealthy. Because kind of the point of the book is that it's unhealthy. And I don't want to say, wow, this bit is unhealthy and therefore imply that other bits aren't as unhealthy. But don't follow your partner onto a train as they visit people that you don't know and relationships that you're not part of that's really unhealthy yeah um and like what goes down up north like cuts her off from her all of her friends up north and now she is like and now it's christmas and she is like even more dependent on him than she has been up until now and he just like sometimes he's really nice and sweet and she's like yes this is this is the boy that I fell in love with. And then other times he's really cold and just cuts her off. And she's just like, what can I do in order to fix fix this? this? And Joan in one of their sessions is like, and and Amelie is like, I can't have been in an abusive relationship because he never hit me. He never Mm -hmm. like physically hurt me. He just like, it wasn't, that's not what it was. And her counselor is like, yeah, but your brain can't really tell the difference between being physically attacked and being emotionally attacked. And that's what he did. He played on your emotions. He gave you very, he was inconsistent in such a way that it's harmful to you. And that is the way in which he was abusive. And honestly, some of the counseling sessions, I was like, I have not been in a relationship 
like Amelie's has, but I was also like, oh, this makes me look back on my life and see some <laughs> not troubling, things. not troubling <laughs> things, but also just be like, this, this is helpful to understand. And that is why I'm like, it's an essential read. Not necessarily mm. an enjoyable one, but an essential read. I'll definitely read it a second, maybe even a third time. I, I think I'll probably purchase this book, to be honest. Really? You yeah. don't buy many books because you're a librarian. Yeah, I know. But so um, any book... This is a big praise. Any book that I'm like, I will read this more than once. And any book that I'm like, I must put this in other people's hands, I have to purchase. And I feel very, very much scary. like that about this one. Yeah, no, it was really good. The I kind of have said everything I think I want to say about us. I know yeah, I didn't I'm do... to check the recording and see where. 53 minutes yeah. in. I know I didn't do much of the plot, but... It really is just like him becoming more and more clearly not a good person and her becoming more and more dependent on him and also her in the present tense realizing all of the ways in which the relationship was not healthy and and reflecting on that and coming What's to terms with What's the resolution like, if you don't mind spoilers? So from... What I, for, just from what you've been saying, you know, she slowly realizes it's abusive with the help of her counselor after the relationship has ended, but she's still tempted when he calls to come and, and start things up again. Does she get past that point? Does she still have that heart flutter for him? Or um, No, she does get past that point. Um... Her counsellor refers her on to um, to specialist treatment. Mm -hmm. And she's working with that counsellor who's called Sandy. And we... The book kind of skips forward a bit more time from when we end with Hannah stopping her from going back to... Reese. Going back to Reese. And i kind of like i understand that people in a, in abusive relationships often go back to the person who is abusive towards them but i feel like even if hannah hadn't stopped her the situation wouldn't have gotten as bad the second time because her family mm. was more aware of it her school was more aware of it she had a counselor that she was talking to about the issues and i feel like i feel like she would have gotten out quicker the second time yeah. and possibly wouldn't have gone back a third like i it's hard to tell every situation is different but i think that i think that she would have been more okay the second time like it would not have but, been i'm not advising anyone to go back to a person who is abusive towards them and i don't think it would have been a good idea for amelie to go back but i think that there was more people more aware of the situation the second time in her corner. and more people in her corner and more people who would have been able to like help her recognize that what was happening was bad mm -hmm. um but okay. she does go she doesn't go back a second time she does go to um specialist counseling and that counselor like helps her see that she has worth outside of the relationship and we get like mm -hmm. a fast forward to i want to say may or june-ish and she has written a song about the experience and she performs it in an illegal busking situation 
Nice. Um, and that is kind of like the closure that she gets. It's a very nice song. It's about all the places she cried in public. Oh, that's cool. Um, oh, that's lovely. And also, like the idea that she the the, the where the mm, where the idea that she got for like doing this bit by bit of all the places that she cried and like returning to them and like remembering the situation comes from the Victoria and Albert Museum have like put out a call for people's uh, personal maps of their city Mm -hmm. and the idea is that like you write the story of why this area or why this particular place is important to you and so she is making a personal map of all the places she's cried in public in order to submit for that because the college is involved in the project. Yeah. And then she writes a song at the end. That's nice. Um, That's a nice resolution. It is a nice resolution. And like one of the, th- and it's the songwriting is really important because one of the things that Reese took from her is that she couldn't write songs anymore because mm. she felt like after, especially after their breakup, but also like in the weeks and about the month leading up to it, she was like, she was just an empty shell of a person and there was nothing in her in order to create more. So it was really empowering that she was able to write this song and that she like slowly over the course of the present tense book got more and more of that back. That is good. That's yeah. really good. Um so, yeah. Can I ask you some questions? You can totally ask me some questions. So we recently enough, I think in March, discussed another book with an abusive partner in it, which was uh, Perfectly Preventable Deaths mm-hmm. by Deirdre Sullivan. Yes. So how would you compare the portrayal of abuse in those two books? Um, so both books were like very clear about the fact that the abusive partner was abusive. It's different just because the point of view character in this book was is the character who was um abused as opposed to looking at it from the outside Mm -hmm. um but i think that they're very both very good portrayals um no i don't i don't yeah i wouldn't they're different or worse i wouldn't say i wouldn't say either was better or worse they are different books i think this book set out to tell a story of a person who was in an abusive relationship and the other book set out to tell a story about <laughs> magic and <laughs> different things and and had a, had a plot that relied on a, an abusive situation. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm also like in this moment being like, what else was in that book? <laughs> there was twins. Um, there, there was, was Yeah, there was loads of things in that book. Um, there was a castle. Oh, uh, fun fact, in this book, Amelie's best friend up north, lesbian. Wonderful. What a great day for the parish. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I just stabbed myself with a needle. Ow. Amelie's dad is like dropping her to the train station so she can go back up north to visit. And he's just like, give everyone my best. Has Jenna, has Gemma and uh, what was her girlfriend? Pippa, have they broken up? And she's, and, um... Emily's just like, yeah, dad, they broke up. I think she's dating another girl now. What's whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, <gasps> lesbians. A queer girl. <laughs> Lovely. Cool. Um, so it was an intense book. Not a fun read, but intense and important. There is like light moments in it. But do you remember Tuesdays? 
yeah. Tuesdays are just as bad, which dealt book, with yeah. which dealt with like depression and suicide and like lots of mental health stuff. And I was like, this book is hilarious while dealing with a serious mm-hmm. topic. This book was not hilarious. There was moments so, that were lighter. Not like but... episode 17 of our podcast, <laughs> Tuesdays are just as bad, For which everyone should listen to. Forever plugging Tuesdays. It's so good. I've never even read it. Oh, it's one of my favorite books. Catherine, are you listening? <laughs> this would be kind of weird if you're listening. I really like your book that I've never read. Um, so yeah, no, there's none of that like comedy aspect to it. It it's it's not a dark comedy. It's just dark. It's just dark. Yeah. Okay, and you think you'd recommend it to most sixteen year olds? Honestly, I'm like it should all all ty students. It should be like a uh, required reading for 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 16 year olds i don't know how i would make that happen but it's definitely going to be on like a lot of book club lists that i have for sure yes i'm gonna make the adults read it gonna make the teenagers read it i'm not gonna make the children read it it's a bit that's a bit much for them um but yeah no i highly recommend it can we go highlights lowlights weird little sidelights i have no lowlights um, no lowlights. No lowlights. Um, as I said, I would say like like the low light is that Emily is treated really badly, <laughs> but that's the it, that's in the this book. book about an abusive relationship. It, there is a character who's in an abusive relationship. Yeah, and that's sad. And that's sad. Yeah. Um, highlights are that the counseling is really well done. She has a teacher mm-hmm. that's super in her corner and like pulls her like asks her to stay after class and is like hey we need to talk about your coursework but also and this may be not me may not be professional of me but how are you doing personally and like recommends that she's she goes to counseling and then like when nothing happens from that that teacher like brings it up with the head teacher and gets that teacher to contact her family and then it does get like followed up and she does go to see someone so it was really nice to see someone in Amelie's corner like that and see a teacher mm-hmm. that cares. It was also really nice to like do the counseling, some of the sessions with Amelie and see how they are not really scary. It's not scary to go to counseling and talk about scary things. It was nice. Joan was a particularly good counselor, so that helps. Nice. Um, and then sidelights, I think is her family were just so sweet they were really nice Mm. and good and supportive and trying very hard even when they didn't entirely know what to do or how to help um and also while there is quite a lot of sex in this book a lot of it happens off screen or very vaguely which i a person who does not like to read sex scenes appreciated so there you go Actually, just because you did mention that there is an actual rape in this book, Mm. in saying you'd recommend it to pretty much everyone, is there any particular content warnings or people you'd say, hey, proceed with caution? Like how with Turtles, I was like, hey, if you have the bad brain anxieties, so careful. I would definitely recommend it to people. I would definitely also like let them know the content of the book in terms of being like, there is sexual assault there is rape it is specifically anal rape 
Um, Mm -hmm. If that helps anyone. But the book also comes with like a warning at the start. It says, the places I've cried in public is a work of fiction, but it deals with many real issues, including controlling behavior and sexual assault. Links to advice and support can be found at the back of the book. So I think that I would recommend it to people with the caveat of stop reading if you need to stop if reading. If you don't want to. Yeah. If you want to stop reading, just stop. Um, but I also... Even Holly Bourne has that recommendation yeah. for people. Um, yeah. But I also recommend that with every book that I give to anyone ever because I am of the opinion mm-hmm. that if you are reading a book that you are not enjoying, there is another book out there that you will and maybe you'll come back to this book later maybe you won't but i don't think that there is enough time in this universe to read a book that you 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 don't enjoy or that That's doesn't an insane like insane thing for me to think <laughs> of like as a person who does force her way through books cuz whether or not i actively enjoy the reading of it i really enjoy having read them and I enjoy, like, I might start out enjoying a book and then stop enjoying it and then continue enjoying it. So, like, I, maybe I'm not very kind to myself with my reading. <laughs> like, I say that and I'm like, Looks this was my not. my pile of six unread books. I say that and I was like, this was not an enjoyable book, but it was a necessary book. But, like, it's that, like, it's not that I didn't. I didn't at any point not want to read this book as I was reading yeah, this. But... I had that with Turtles, actually. Yeah. So I'm, I do really get what you mean. It's You're like, ooh, this is tough. And this is... It's dark, hard content, and... but it's content that is well put together to and put in a, in a method that I want to read. And I want to know what happens to our main girl and what happens to some of her friends and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. She ends things on very good terms with Alfie, where she... she um, fills him in on some of the things that have been going on for her and she's like Mm -hmm. hey I hurt you very badly and I'm not trying to like dodge any of the of the blame for that um but I do want you to have just like a little bit more context for what I was going through while that stuff was happening and he's like I'm not sure that we can be romantic but you are my best friend and I am here for you and I'm like Alfie Alfie I love you so much Alfie's a really good boy and I like him even though he has the worst name because it's the name that people who have never heard my name and have just briefly seen it written think my name is because people see Aoife and they think Alfie oh because of the no O because of the no O and because the I looks a little bit like an L so I've had a lot of like emails from professors in college being like thank you for your email Alfie here is my response and I'm like no thank you please um so yeah that's all i gotta say about this book sounds like a good book it was a good book i i can lend it to you if you want i don't have to give it back to the library for ages because they're closed till the 8th of june at least till the 8th of june because they're closed you can't give any books back yeah okay Um, uh we've been forever young adults and if you liked what you heard you should probably subscribe. Try listening to some of our other episodes, such as perhaps episode 17, which is about Tuesdays are just as bad. A novel by Irish author Kethan Lehi. Um, um, you could also listen to Skullduggery Pleasant, which is also by an Irish author, by Derek Landy. And then what's a book that you read, Eva? 
I really do recommend Turtles All the Way Down by John Green, which similarly deals with harsh and difficult issues that you may deal with as a teenager, but does it in such a truthful and empathetic way that even if you don't experience those issues, you get a real insight into what it is to experience them. I also like, oh, what was that one by Margaret Haddock's Time something? Oh, the time travel that wasn't time travel. It was Turnabout. Uh, Turnabout. Turnabout. By that book was so Margaret good that Peterson I read it Habits. after you read it. It's really good. And it's real good sci-fi. I feel like we don't focus much on sci-fi in this pod. But um, yes. We've had a couple of sci-fis. Yeah. We did that book that I did that was sci-fi with the robots. Yes, true. I think it's just I've only read one sci-fi. So. Fair enough. Cool. So, yeah, if you try out the, some of those episodes, you can also follow us on social media to keep on top of what we're doing and what we will be doing. You can find us on Twitter at Forever YA Pod, on Goodreads at Forever YA Pod, on Patreon at Forever YA Pod, and on Instagram, odd one out, at Forever YA Podcast. Uh, we'll have updates there about things we're reading, things we will be reading, and sometimes we'll put up desperate pleas for you to recommend things to us because we have no ideas. Probably not in the coming month because the coming month is June. And what do we do for June, Kira? Gay books. Gay books. Hell yeah, we do. <gasps> I have um, a great gay book for June, but I have to read it first before I tell everyone about it because um, it's super long and I might not get through us. Yeah, I'm going to do the gay communist book for June, I think. What gay communist book do you have? Love and Revolution. Oh, yeah. It's a good book. So I'm going to do Knife of Never Letting Go for May. Anyway, that's that's an admin conversation, not an on-pod conversation. <laughs> I'll cut it. Well, I'll actually, it. we'll be back in two weeks when I'll be reading a book, most likely The Knife of Never Letting Go by Patrick Ness which is also a bit sci-fi. So for all our complaints of not having enough sci-fi, here's another one. Uh, thanks for sticking Listening. with us. Yeah. Um, and stay safe, stay well. Uh, stay inside if you can. That's also true. Because of the pandemic. Bye. Bye.